Well, we do love a good nature story around here, and do we have one for you now. It's about a mountain larger than the peak of Whistler, and it's right there off the coast of Vancouver Island, and it was just discovered. Let's find out how. Sam Quayer joins us now, expedition coordinator and nautical archaeologist at Texas A&M University. Sam, thanks for joining us. Hi, thanks for having me on today. Sam, how does one become a nautical archaeologist? Because I've interviewed a lot of people, first time I've heard that title. Sure. So we, you know, there's a couple different ways to do it. Usually you have to go to school for a degree. Um, sometimes that's in history. Sometimes that's in archaeology. Sometimes people get a degree in something like philosophy or law, and then they come back later and get a graduate degree in underwater archaeology. Um, you go and get experience in the field, and then you, know, you, you find, out, find out whatever your path is. There's so many different places to go in underwater archaeology. Okay. And so what is underwater archaeology? How does this work? Essentially, it's the study of uh, anything human leaves behind culturally um, underwater. You know, it can be a port city, the remains of a port city. It can be a shipwreck. Um, Increasingly, we're finding indigenous sites that have been inundated since the last ice age. Um, So kind of anywhere on that spectrum can be considered underwater archaeology. Okay, so what were you looking for then off the coast of Vancouver Island? Sure. So we're actually... uh, I uh, work for NOAA, which is a nautical, or sorry, the National Oceanographic and Atmospheric Administration now for the U.S. government. And we were actually heading out on an expedition over to Alaska. We were leaving Seattle on our way to Alaska, and during these transits, we tend to look at old mapping data and try to line up our ship, Okeanos Explorer, to line up with this old data to just expand what we know of the deep sea. And we happened to pick going over this, uh, this line, kind of uh, over this mountain, and uh, were able to kind of image what had been updated as far as our, our um, you know, just the old chart, and then this new chart proved that this mountain was much taller than we previously thought. Really? Like, how much taller? Uh, we're talking maybe double the size that we originally thought. Granted, a lot we don't know a lot about what is actually in the depths of our ocean. We've only covered maybe 25% in high-resolution sensors. And so there's a whole, there's almost 50% of our planet's surface is unknown to us with modern human sensors. Okay, that's amazing. So there, here's this kind of underwater mountain, and it, it's almost the size, instead of, of Mount Baker. That's, that's huge. Yeah, and it's, it's, what's amazing about it is this is just one of maybe over 100,000 that scientists believe could be worldwide. So there's much that's hiding in our depth. Wow. Okay, so... That is so surprising. So why, why do we have so much trouble, or in the past, I guess, measuring these? Is it new technology that makes a difference now? But I think it's just a combination of area and technology. Um, before, when they were looking to, say, have an understanding of what the seafloor looked like, they would have a lead line and rope. And since you just measure at different points along as the ship transited a certain area and record those depths and kind of get an understanding of what the bottom looked like. Now we're able to use a whole suite of different... Um, sonars, multi-beam sonars and other sonars to project sound in the water and get a reflection back and better understand what's there from the reflection from the seafloor. And so part of it is a logistics issue and part of it is just a technology issue. I mean, the ocean is a very vast place. And so being able to cover it all takes a lot of time and a lot of effort. Yeah, I can imagine. Okay. So what do we know about this particular uh, mountain under there? Do we know how biodiverse it is? Um, not the specific one, but we do have a lot of evidence from other seamounts that have been investigated kind of all over the world by different uh, scientific groups. And typically, these tend to be biodiverse hotspots. They influence the ocean currents around them, and they're able to uh, support a much wider variety of life. And so when you have, say, filter feeders like deep-sea corals and things like that that will attract other 
kind of marine organisms, which then can support the predators and kind of up the chain. And so you'll start with these small organisms and then all the way up to something like large commercial fish or whales or sharks or, you know, squid, anything like that. I mean, it's a huge variety and diversity of life in this area. It's kind of amazing that you kind of found this by chance, right? So is it really hard to go looking for these things? I, mean, I guess it depends on perspective, right? I mean, on one part, it's nice to be lucky. But on the other hand, uh, we had an idea that something like this was there. So they're able to actually get a pretty rough estimate of what is on the seafloor through measurement of gravity from satellite. And by using gravity, they can at least say, hey, there's some kind of topographic feature here. We don't have it in a very high resolution. And just like in this case, we can be thousands of meters off. But it gives you an idea that, hey, something is here. Maybe it's worth investigating in more detail. So then what will this help you do then? I understand you're collecting all this data. What, what kind of use do you put that to in the future? Sure. So this data can be used for all types of purposes. Here at NOAA, we make this data publicly accessible. So if, let's say there is another scientist that's really, invest, or really invested and wants to investigate this area further. They can use our data to kind of make a basis to get grants to go out there and do it. But on a wider scale... Uh, we can use the information to better understand subsea hazards, whether it's something that a ship or a submarine or something may run into, or something that, um, you know, maybe it's, especially around kind of Vancouver, um, you have to worry about tsunamis potentially from earthquakes. We may get a better understanding of what these fault zones look like to better predict when kind of that next big earthquake may happen. Um, and then also just being, uh, being able to protect and have sustainable fisheries or be able to protect really unique areas of the ocean. We can't really protect areas that we don't know much about. Wow. So did, were you able to just, were you continuing on to do your other expedition or did this kind of stop things for a little while? No, we're continuing on. We kind of drove by, got a really good record of the uh, the top of the seamount and we're actually currently out in the ship. All right. Well, thank you so much for your time this morning, Sam. Thank you so much.